the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 105 of the Severe MMA podcast is back. My name is Sean Sheehan, and I'm joined, as I am every week, by Ireland's biggest MMA editor, Graham McDonald. Only a mate, or probably Greg McDonald, and <laughs> we're here for another week of the best and worst MMA chats you'll find anywhere on the internet, more than likely. Um, a lot of topics to, to discuss this weekend. We're going to look back at UFC 208, which was not a great card, but which had a lot of talking points with decisions and bad refereeing and stuff like that. So, we'll get to that. We're going to look ahead to the UFC Halifax card. I actually haven't even looked at the card yet, so that'll be fun. Uh, then we're going to talk about the Artem Lava versus Cub Swanson fight, the Rory McDonald versus Paul Daly fight, and a few other things. Before we do that, let me give a shout out to our sponsors, rosnutrition.com. Actually, here before we do that, or during that, even people who listen to this podcast probably have heard me mention JJ Murphy, who my friend of mine who um, who took ROS Nutrition got the twenty five percent off using the promo code Severe. He won the Irish national uh, bench benching. You know how they do bench? What are they called? Bench pressing championships this weekend. In lifting. Yeah, yeah, but you know, bench presses is oh, just yeah. bench pressing. He won that this weekend, taking ROS nutrition. So there you go. It works. It's proven. So uh, shout out to sorry, shout out to JJ for that. But head on over to ROS nutrition, lads. As I said, twenty five percent off the promo code Severe MMA. You can lift like JJ Murphy if you want to do that. They have proteins and amino acids, sports, sports performance, treatment, conditioning, creatine products, fat loss, female nutrition, all that good stuff. Um, your your vitamins and antioxidants as well. Uh, like ROS for me and for a lot of people, I think are Ireland's leading supplement uh, provider, and they've been you know they've been supporting us for. A good while now so please support them as well if you can rosnutrition.com 25% off your first order promo code severe mma boom graham on the on the week that man united went ahead of liverpool for about two hours was it? listen that's an and that's an alternative fact that is there's <laughs> <laughs> no need no need to bring that up but uh yeah it was a good weekend i suppose for sport and soccer and rugby and mma and everything so did you did you have a good weekend or is your stomach still uh still ailing you are you okay? no i'm good i'm good i didn't see any of the rugby i just uh i saw very little of it anyway but uh yeah i saw the liverpool match that was uh that was pretty good spurs were awful uh i didn't see the man united but i expected them to, to win yeah it's great when you've you know a full week off to prepare for a game you how good you can be like liverpool have that every week and they have 16 days before their next game now so they should they should be pretty good as well but um yeah anyway let's move <laughs> on it's 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 very isn't it funny i called liverpool going rubbish there and not too long gone they've won two games in 11 so it's kind of sure, like you th- you'd say that fucking no matter what anyway no i said they were playing well at the start of the year didn't i, I, think, your, 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 I think your dad had it right when uh, in your hatred of Klopp that you'd love him if he was man united manager no well i probably would but these that that would be literally an alternative fact if he wasn't <laughs> so there you go. right let's get into this uh this ufc 208 card and i suppose it was it was a pretty bad card what was it nine nine decisions one submission and that was from uh from jacare Souza. but let's let's talk about the the main event first i suppose and it was for the inaugural ufc featherweight championship 
it was an underwhelming announcement when the fight was made because of Chris Cyborg not getting the fight, obviously. Then even more so when Chris Cyborg got flagged by USADA, which might be getting turned up. We, we don't know. Um, Dana White kind of suggested that there's going to be something with the retroactive TUE and things like that. So let's see how that plays out. And then it, it was an underwhelming fight as well on, on Saturday night. You know, from the very start to the very end, there wasn't that much action. You know, uh, just uh, as I said, I, I kind of do my preview for this. This could have either been a, a totally brilliant, great fight where, you know, Durandamy goes attacking and plays right into Holmes' game and we kind of have a, a blow between two really good strikers or it could be what we kind of got, which was boring well, back and forth and that really happened. Were you not surprised that Holly was so uh, willing to lead at the very start? I uh, I was, but then I remembered the Shashinko fight where she was kind of doing the same and just playing into the, her opponent's game, really. Uh, and it, it was I, I was surprised she did it again. To be honest, she didn't do it as much in the Shashinko game. She actually did it way more in this uh, in game. Sorry, uh, fight. Yeah. She did it way more in this one. I, oh, it was just uh, she, especially when it wasn't working. Yeah. You think she would have gone? Okay, let me get back to what I usually do here. But uh, yeah, um, she got off to a terrible start and. Uh, Jorane Durandamy looks huge compared to her as well. Like Holly's a big 135er, but Jorane Durandamy, or she was a big 135er, and she's a decent size 145er, but Durandamy was huge. And uh, she just, Holly Holly just had the wrong game plan, I think. Even even her takedowns were, it kind of, it all came too late. I, I think you, you scored it for Holly, did you? The fight? I did, yeah. I, yeah, I thought you won the third, fourth, and fifth. The third, I thought, was it, which was the second, the one where she dropped her with the with the head kick. I think that was the third. That was the third, was it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think I had um, I think I had a three-two for for Durandamy, but um, I think the the obviously the the referee and the the shot after the bell was was huge in the fight. Like it, it, Holly came on and took over the fight, but maybe she would have taken over the fight earlier if if that hadn't happened. Like that definitely takes a a big bit out of you getting getting rocked like that when you're when you're not expecting it as well you're not braced for it yeah just just before we get to that just on on maybe the tactics of the fight just before we get to the, the terrible referee um like as you said holly leading is the thing that's so weird because she's such a good counterpuncher like that's and that's what she is but uh, i was thinking about holly Holman, like you know people call her like the the buster douglas of mma and stuff and I'm not, I'm not sure she is that. I think, you know, people talk about, and we've spoken about it, how kind of, you know, styles make fights kind of a job made Ronda Rousey look so bad against Holly Holm because she was just the worst style for her. I think Ronda Rousey's style made Holly Holm look way better than she actually is as well. I think her oh, style yeah. played so well into Holly, Holly Holm's game. Like, everything that's come before that and everything that's come after that hasn't been exceptional from Holly, Holly Holm. Let's be honest here. Like, and on Saturday night, as you said, like, God almighty, how oh, she just kept leading. Like, if, if she had stopped for, for one round for three minutes, she would. She could have drawn Jermaine Durandamy in. That's what counter strikers do. That's what McGregor does. That's what Anderson Silva does. That's what all the great counter strikers do. And she never even tried. And I'm not sure whether it was her worrying about Durandamy not coming in, worrying about it being a fight where she didn't go out and take it. But and maybe that was it. But the fact that she did that meant that she. I don't know. She she just played out of all her strengths and. 
into a place where she's not the strongest and maybe Durandami isn't the strongest either, but it made for just an odd back and forth fight that no one really was going to take, you know, convincingly. Yeah, well, she had, she had, um, or Holly Holm had Duran Durandami stuck up against a cage for, for half of the fourth and half of the fifth round and, her, yeah. and her, her own corner were calling for her to break. They were like, break and strike, kickbox, Holly, kickbox, but she just wasn't having any of it and her taking attempts were, were, weren't great. Like her head was on the outside and she wasn't low enough and they were just never going to work on, on, they just weren't good taking attempts and her corner were, were she, I think she has a real problem listening to her corner. I think, I think this has happened in the past as well where they're telling her to do something and she just can't, she can't seem to implement what they're saying. And um, she, she she had a randomly hurt a, a couple of times and she pushed her up against the cage and kind of gave her the chance to recover. It was, it was it was bad fight IQ all around from Holly really. Yeah, I thought like Holmes takedowns would have been great if she was countering and if she was changing up that way. And I thought her clinch work was very very good. Like I, I spoke about the clinch being a big part of the game uh, last week and in my preview. And I think that uh, I scored her for the fight. I think that's why she won the fight. I think she won the fight because she she won the clinch and she didn't let Jermaine get like the the tie plum and she didn't let her get her knees off much. You know I think she did it once, but you know. It's destroy. If she had done the strike, if she had struck the way she always strikes, the way she's best at striking, or tried it to at least, you know, try to draw draw the in, I think she would have won that fight easily, to be honest. But as I said, I like I'm talking about it as if Holly Holm had won- lost, even though I scored her for her. Like I, uh, you scored her three two. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be mad at that. It was very very close. Like it was very uh, close. Yeah. Like I wasn't watching it. Like in a, when you're when I'm doing a, the scorecards for MMA decisions or posting them to them, I kind of watching it a lot closer, and you're kind of thinking m- much more closely when. But uh, I would. I would. Uh, it's it's a tough it's a tough kind of balance between is she failing to get a takedown or is she controlling up against the cage and I think when you get stuck up against the cage for half the round it's like you you're, you're stuck against the cage and the, the grappling is effective but uh, I don't agree with this not this not scoring or um, effective agree. takedown defense not scoring like it, it needs to score I agree. Yeah, I thought home in the second she had did a good bit of uh, grappling against Vince, but I didn't think that was enough to win the round. I didn't didn't think it was long enough. I didn't think it was effective enough. But I thought after that, it, a lot of it was effective, good grappling, like uh, and stopping takedowns as well. I think is effective grappling as well. You know, if if you get you know if if effective grappling is taking someone down and past their guard and stuff, stopping someone doing that is effective defense as well. And I know it's an offensive sport, fair enough. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I, I think there should be bits of that in it as well, but yeah, um, I think if somebody who somebody gives a good burst to try and take somebody down, a good kind of burst of energy, and they they don't take them down, and then the person circles out or gets off the cage or whatever the case may be, and like that's that the the person who got away has won the exchange. But if you get stuck up against a cage for two and a half, three minutes, and you you, you can't really move, and it's it kind of goes the other way. It is a tough balance, though. Like yeah. any a few of them rounds, like I wouldn't argue with them. Like you could have had that. 49 46 the randomly or you could have had the 49 46 holly like depending on what you're what you like yeah so let's get to the to the referee and the, the shots after the bell there's one after the second and one after the third i believe both from the randomly one looked like an elbow at the start joe rogan said it and i think it was a punch afterwards but both were late for me the second one was way worse she two 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 punches after the bell in the second one did the, the first uh, after the, the second first time she was more rocked one. i thought that yeah, she was more rock, but it was the first one. Okay, she threw her jab, then the bell went, and then she threw her her straight right, and she was okay. She was in the middle of a a combination, but she should have definitely pulled out. 
in the, for the second one, she threw the combination after the bell. Like she just threw both. Yeah, and she'd already been warned. The crowd were booing. Yeah. It was like, what are you? What are you thinking? But she got away with it. It's just terrible. She knew, you, like, she had no illusions that you were allowed to do that before the fight. Like this isn't an innocent mistake. Like this yeah. is this is a point. And then the second time, she probably should have been a disqualification if the point had already been taken. And then she commits the same foul again. And this isn't a foul where you accidentally kick somebody in the balls or in yeah. the groin, or you accidentally. You accidentally eye poke somebody where or maybe you don't accidentally but there's the element of maybe it was accidental there's no accidental about this this is like the bell went everybody heard it and then she threw punches like, yeah and like todd anderson very was, dirty todd anderson was the referee in this case and i thought the most idiotic thing that he did and he did a lot of idiotic things was after the second incident where she hit her after the bell he said don't do that again or i'll take a point I'm like, so you're going to wait five minutes and see if she does it again and didn't take a point. She's already done it twice. Like, She's already fouled after the bell twice and you're not taking a point. I'm yeah. like, this is just crazy. Like, As I said, once, oh, you, I don't think it was an accident, but you could say, okay, once was an accident. She didn't mean it. Twice is not an accident. Twice is belligerent. Like, Twice is just incorrect. And that, you know, I think Luke Thomas made a great tweet about it. Saying referees don't want to take points because they influence the, the results of fights. Well, not taking points also influences... Well, nearly knocking somebody points. out after the bell influences yeah, the fight. Exactly. <laughs> if he'd taken the point there, Holly Holm wouldn't have lost. He would have been a draw on all three judges' cards. So he directly influenced the fight by not doing what he should have done and taking a point. I don't think there's anyone in disagreement about this. At least one point. Like, I would have been okay with two, but I think one, would have, one should have 100% been taken yeah. away. Holly should have been given a bit of time to recover, a bit of extra yeah. time when something like that happens as well. When the referee recognizes there is a foul, even if he's like not taking a point, he's given a warning. They should be given like the five minutes, like they're given for a groin shot or an eye poke yeah. to recover from being hit in the head. Yeah, or the I body. Agree. Maybe if you're, if you're hitting the body or the head or the, even the leg. Yeah, I agree. Like, and at the end of the fight as well. Like with like ten seconds to go when the little clapper went, he stood in between the two of them before they were finished fighting. Uh, like, what yeah, are you he stopped the fight doing? Three seconds early, get out yeah. of the way. This like this guy shouldn't be shouldn't be a fight. That fifth round could have could have been all important. There could have that could there could have been one strike that changed the fight there. And like, yeah. get out of the way. Yeah, yeah. the could have knocked her out again after. Like the enemy could have hit her after the bell again. And you know, it could have could have well, been a bite I, taken I, away. I, I'd want him to try and stop that. Yeah, but well, I don't that, want him yeah, get, but... getting in and before the bell, get in at the bell. Yeah, it's not that difficult. Just... It isn't. It isn't that difficult. But... Yeah, I thought it was just a, a terrible refereeing uh, display from, from Todd Anderson. I would like something needs to be done about guys like that. Like, I think you know we've had a lot of discussions on this podcast, and other people have as well about you know safety in MMA and you know why it's okay and what we can do to make it better. And I've always, like, said about having good referee and good cornermen, good doctors and stuff around is a huge thing. And, like, referees especially, the referee is the person in there who's trying to keep them safe. Like, And if you're just letting people, you know, throw punches after the bell twice in a championship fight and not taking away a point, then you're not keeping the fighter safe. It's as simple as that, like. I thought it was just disgraceful and... You no. see, it was an earlier fight. I can't remember which one, but Eve Levine. I think it was Derek Brunson, Anderson Silva. He grabbed Derek Brunson away, away yeah. at the bell just because he saw he might have been better throw one. That's yeah. how you referee. That's how it's like. That's how you do it. It's not. It's not that difficult. Be aggressive if you have to. 
100% I couldn't agree more yeah that's, that, I thought that was like at the time it looked like oh what's what's Eve Levine doing he's like trying to get into the action but that's good you should be you know you should be stopping the action the second the bell goes but um, yeah I suppose we, we'll talk more about um, the refereeing and the judging and stuff when, when we get to the other fights but just yeah. just to close up on um, on this I think we, you know the scoring it's it's very subjective you know if you get into an argument about scoring we'll probably do that more for other fights but for this one you like you can score this so many different ways it I depends think. what you like or what yeah. you think is is the more effective form of martial arts really I suppose yeah like I could see Durandamy winning three rounds I could see home winning three rounds I could see even Durandamy winning four I could see Durandamy winning four rounds I could see home winning four rounds you know yeah. there's there's an argument that home could have won the second and I had her scoring the three after that but then there's the argument I gave Durandamy the second I think Durandamy could have won the third and I was close apart, apart from that like head kick at the end and a little bit of attacking as well yeah, it could have been a drawn round as well could yeah just there's just so many like it if it yeah. had gone to a draw as well I don't think they had a sudden victory round ready and it would have been a disaster like I don't think you can do that in a five 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 round fight, can you? Making them fight a sixth round. Mm. Well, they had a fourth round lined up for DJ versus Ian McCall for the inaugural bantamweight belt, or not yeah. bantam flyweight belt. That was a semi final, though. That wasn't the uh, that wasn't for the belt. No, that was. And Dimitri Shantan fought Joseph Benavides for the belt. Oh, okay. Hundred percent, yeah. But it was in Australia. I remember Joseph. Who did Joseph fight? Um, um, a Japanese gentleman, I believe, whose name I can't remember now, but yeah, I think I think it was. Or was there an eight-man tournament? But it was definitely a semi-final anyway. It wasn't it wasn't a final, but there she had yeah, it should have been in that. Um, again, I just get back to this: the hundred and forty-five pound division. We've talked about it a good few times that there isn't really a division forming here. It looks like it's going to be fight after fight, um, with just the belt on the line. Now, I kind of hope that wasn't the case. I I hope they bring in a few people, but who do you think? If if there is a title fight next, obviously we've Cyborg, we've Megan Anderson. I suppose well, what was Dana, Dana was saying something about Cyborg's uh, appeal was looking really bad, but now it's looking really good or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yeah, and then they had her on the camera and they were like kind of making out like it was going to be grand. So the UFC seemed confident enough that uh, she's going to get a retroactive TUE, maybe similar to if Floyd Mayweather got before the Pacquiao or after the Pacquiao fight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so about <laughs> yeah, um, it looks that way, and I suppose that's the fight we all want to see. But uh, Durandamy as well afterwards said she needs surgery, so she's going to be out for another while as well. And this this keeps happening like every time a champion wins, you know, a new champion comes out, they, they get injured, 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 and um, injured, <laughs> put that hashtag injured, put that in a t shirt, uh, but um. Yeah, it looks like she's going to be out. Megan, Megan Anderson, sorry, I called her Megan. Her name is Megan. Is uh, is another one there. I think we, we spoke about her after her fight the last time. You know. She's not on the level, I don't think. No, no. She she called out Holly Holm after the fight. Uh, she said if Durandamy is out for a while, she wouldn't mind coming into UFC and seeing how Holly Holm could get on against a real man 45-er. Mm, I, don't, I don't know about that, but I, I think all, all roads leads to Cyborg. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, they're, the whole division is there because of Cyborg. They're, they're really hoping this this retroactive TUE gets granted, and they're I'd say they they might um they might know something we don't the way they were promoting her last night on the pay per view. Yeah. Would you give the enemy any chance against Cyborg? Um, yeah, I'd give her a chance, but uh, <laughs> uh she'd be a big underdog. Yeah, I uh, God, I don't see how she wins at all. Yeah, like Joanna Bears pieced up uh, Cyborg on uh, kickboxing and what was it, jungle fight, or was it a lion fight? Lion, lion fight, fight, I think. Yeah. 
she crescent kicked her in the head and like had her rocked and all and dropped her a few times and destroyed her. So she's not un- unbeatable on the feet, but I I don't think the random is the one. Bigger gloves as well in that, you know. Yeah. Harder to knock. If you can out. nobody can really kick like Joanna Bars can kick as well. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it should be it should be good. I think it makes perfect sense now as well. Holly Holm against Ronda Rousey. If Ronda Rousey's coming back, I, I tweeted it there yesterday. That fight has never mm. made more sense. <laughs> you think she wants that again, do you? Why not? Think Ronda would want that. Uh, maybe. Like that's the one fight. Like if Ronda was to come back, that is the one fight she needs. That is Misha, the fight. I think Misha is the fight that she wants us there. Maybe, but Misha looks like she's actually retired, but yeah, you wouldn't know. But if the big money Rousey fight came along, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think I think home is the fight she needs. Like if she was to go to another camp, if she was to give it another go. You know, I think home is the fight. Maybe maybe give give her a tune up fight first. Although who can you give her? But yeah, I don't know. I think um, I think that home fight is that's money for both of them. If Ronda wants one payday before she goes and you know for her sea level movies for the rest <laughs> the rest of her life. But I'd be surprised uh, if she took it. It'd be a ballsy move by her. But I'd be I'd be surprised if she did if she did that. Yeah. Especially for next. Especially next. Yeah, you would not. Right, let's let's move on to some of the other fights in the card. And I suppose another controversial decision, another kind of bad fight was Anderson Silva against uh, Derek Brunson in the co-main event. Uh, first off, we'll get to the scoring here first. How did you score? You, you scored for Silva, did you? Yeah, I had it. Uh, second and third for Anderson. Yeah, I, I watched it back again and actually, like, I scored the first two rounds differently. The first time I had it, I had Brunson in the first uh and anderson in the second but watching it back i had anderson in the first and brunton in the second and i scored the third in for brunton as well but i thought the third was was probably the closest of him i could have gone uh could have gone either way really like, i think brunton got a bit of time on the ground at the end of the third but like in the first i thought anderson i, I thought he did a good bit of damage landing counters and landed hard shots uh a long way through the first and I, I know not much happened maybe for the first minute or a minute and a half um but i thought anderson when he got the clinch as well it looked like brunson landed a lot of shots but a lot of them were missing um and, and going over anderson's head and he was dodging him with some good head movements i i thought he won that he brunson landed on top and maybe like all the good work brunson did was like last 24 25 seconds of that round i don't think it was enough to be honest yeah, I, I actually thought that when Brunson got on top on the third, he actually lost from that position. He literally threw the worst, them some terrible fake punches to make the ref not stand them up. And Anderson was really nice short elbows, hitting him hard. Like the impactful shots were coming from Anderson. And Anderson was kicking out his, his knee as he was he, he was he was keeping him off balance and just uh, negating any any decent shots from the top from Brunson. And I, I thought Anderson won the third uh, on the feet and on the ground, even when he was on the bottom. Yeah, like whichever way it goes. I like I scored it. I scored it twenty nine, twenty eight for Brunson. Kind of both times I watched it. But watching back, like Anderson definitely gonna win that fight. It was, you know, it was so close. I think even even the thirty twenty seven. I said it was insane at the time. It was no, a little bit. I can see it actually. I can see it too now. After first round, so I was like, when I was watching, I was debating. I was like, who won that? Maybe it's a draw. But I I gave it to Brunson in my head in the end, and I like. The other two rounds that Anderson won, they weren't dominant or anything. It was it was very tentative fight in a lot of ways, but um, I don't think I don't think there's any outrage at scoring any of them rounds for Anderson. I I agree I I agree not a hundred percent. But there's some fights you say, you know, I and I hate the shit about don't leave it to the, in the hands of the judges, <laughs> and 
when, when people say that, they usually mean, oh, you should have knocked him out or you should have, should have submitted him. But I think Derek Brunson left it in the hands of the judges by not winning the decision, you know, unanimously enough. You know, he called it, that fight was his really to go out and win. He he just didn't do enough. And I thought Anderson Silva did more than him throughout the fight. Like Brunson. Yeah. I think it was summed up by Brunson in the third round where he got on, got on top with a, with a minute and a half, two minutes ago. And he just tried to just hold on on top and just ate a couple of elbows and didn't never postured up to try and land some strikes and to secure the round and to secure the fight. He he thought he'd just eat by and just do enough and rely on the judges to make the right decision. Yeah, 100%. Like you said about Holly Holm as well, she wasn't really listening to her corner. I don't, I don't think he was as well. Like, uh, uh, Joe Rogan... And, I think he fought a bit scared. I didn't think he did as well. I think he just saw Anderson Silva in front of him and thought this was weird. But I, I have another point to make about that, actually. But just before that, Joe Rogan like said on the commentary and Daniel Cormier that oh, they were giving him bad advice and stuff, that he should keep doing what he was doing. But I think they actually gave him good advice to come out and attack Anderson Silva uh, and, you know, fight him... In a, you know, in a more attacking way where he could knock him out or where he could get more takedowns and stuff. Because, look, I think they maybe un- overestimated how much Brunson was doing it in the first two rounds. I mean, I know it's hard when you're, like, as you said, it's even hard when you're, when you're not watching it, maybe 100% or writing up different things or stuff. And when you're commentating, it's going to be tough. But I think if he really had attacked him, he could have won the fight. And there's, there's a reason. Like, this isn't the same Anderson Silva as years ago. People... And Brunson, Brunson fought 2008 Anderson Silva, or, you know, what, 2004 Anderson Silva, whatever it is. Or no, I don't know. <laughs> what year are we? 2007, like 2010 Anderson Silva. That's who he was fighting. But it's 2017. Like, this this is a different Anderson Silva. He's not as fast. He, he's not as good. He just, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to have as much power as he used to, like... Even his fight IQ isn't the same. Like, yeah. the, he, he kept going into the clinch, and that was the only place where Brunson was getting success. And Anderson kept trying to grab the plum clinch and land a knee, but he'd have to eat a couple of shots and, before he threw the knee. And they they were the times when Brunson was scoring the most, I thought. And Anderson kept, kept trying to go back to it. And that was I thought that was a, that was a bad strategy because Anderson was winning the long-range striking battle. Like, Derek Brunson was was timid in, in the, in the, on the feet. Yeah, yeah. Like, Anderson, he, he really... He really is just not what he used to be like. I think the word is his swagger as well. He lost it. Like he's, as we were talking about home trying to draw people in. Anderson used to be a master of drawing people in. He did it. He, he like he was the one doing it before. You know the Diaz brothers or McGregor or anything talking to him. You know walking them down trying to get him to to come in. Like you know, he just can't do it anymore. He just kind of. Every time I see Anderson Silva now, it's just like, oh, that's Anderson Silva. He's gonna go out and fight in a kickboxing match. You know, it's just he's he's standing up straight. He's gonna box with you and he's gonna throw a couple of kicks like Anderson Silva before he was he was flowy to to steal a to steal a term. And you know, and he, he would he he was a master of drawing guys. Like I remember last time we fought, we had a fucking big uh discussion about Anderson Silva not being a great offensive fighter. And he isn't a great offensive fighter. I'll maintain that all the time. He's a great counter fighter. And if he can't get you to counter it, it's gonna be very, very hard for him. And Derek Brunson, like <laughs> he okay, fair enough. He didn't want to do that, but at, at at a certain point in the fight, where every time he did it, as you say, every time he got into the clinch and he attacked him, he was winning. Every time he went to throw a big shot, he like he'd either landed or Anderson wasn't landing that many counters. He was he landed a couple very early on, but after that, he landed most of his shots, you know, offensively or, you know, as you said, when he when he got into clinches off, he stopped a lot of takedowns and he he catch him on the way out or stuff like that. That just God, it, it was really. It was a bad fight. It was like the main event as well. Two people not fighting 
to the best of their abilities. Maybe Anderson is at the moment, but not like old Anderson. Derek Brunson just did nothing. Ugh, yeah. I, I, I think he was a bit in awe of Anderson Silva. And when Anderson Silva started doing a bit of capoeira, I think Derek Brunson should have had a more uh, takedown heavy game plan. Like he, he, he implemented it at the end and I thought he lost on the ground. But um, if you posture up and you land a few shots, like you don't have to land that many shots to, to win from a top position on the ground. You just need to do a little bit. He just, he just, he didn't, he did a little bit, but not, he did just enough to, so the ref wouldn't stand him up, but he didn't do enough to actually land a couple of good shots and to put a stamp on the round, as you were saying. So that's like, as you say, it's kind of, it's nearly his own fault that he didn't take the judge's decision because the judge's decision was there to be won. Not that, not that I agree with, with that he should have that he should have been given the decision. Like I see a lot of people on MMA decisions, uh, most people gave the the fight against Silva, but um, yeah, I don't think there's any robbery. There's definitely no robbery, and Brunson Brunson didn't do enough, and it could have went either way in all of the rounds. Yeah, I agree. I, like I scored for Brunson, not, and I still didn't. <laughs> I still don't think he did enough. You know, it's, <laughs> there's, no, there's no way it's, it is a robbery. Like it was just. Just a bad fucking fight, you know. It was very, very average fight. And it's kind of, you know, yeah. we talk about it being sad to see BJ Pin the way he he's kind of gone that he shot and Anderson Silva definitely isn't isn't that bad, but yeah, he's not Anderson Silva. Like this is like a lot of people, you know, maybe what listen to this podcast, maybe only started supporting MMA, maybe when Conor McGregor came in and they're seeing Anderson Silva now. This is not Anderson Silva. Like Anderson Silva was a fucking great fighter. Like he made a, a joke of Forrest Griffin in that fight. You know, he front kicked the head off Vitor Bell for like he he destroyed Yushin Okami when Yushin Okami was actually like a good fighter, a good wrestler, or not. He beat Chel Sonnen in the fifth round after getting the shit beat out of him for four and a half rounds. Like that's a he was a true champion. Used like use, a great fighter. Used to really finished. quick. Used to use really quick footwork and really really uh, good head movement. He'd dodge a punch by by a half inch. He'd mm-hmm. roll with punches. But then when you get old and you get a bit slower, the foot the footwork isn't as quick. The head movement isn't as quick, and you're getting tagged with these punches that you used to avoid. And uh, he used to frustrate. He used to frustrate his opponents because he'd dodge everything with his hands down, and he'd hit them with counters and humiliate them, and they'd kind of. They'd panic or or they'd uh, try to rush him, and he'd, then they'd be playing perfectly into his game, and he'd highlight reel, finish them, and that and that was pretty much nearly guaranteed with an Anderson Silva fight. People got really pissed off when uh, Anderson Silva went to a couple of dominant decisions over uh, Tally's ladies and Demi and Maya. They were like 50, 45, 49, 46 decisions, and people were pissed off that Anderson had a really bad performance because they were so used to him just. Clowning people, yeah, like he destroyed Damian Maya. Like, well, he didn't destroy him, but he, like, he, he probably won every round against him. Like, you know, it was, yeah, he was on the when Damian Maya was on his back, he was like kicking him in the hands, like real accurate yeah. kicks to the hands, and just like it was, it was he just was didn't amazing. He, he hated Damian Maya because Damian Maya came from like a rich background and stuff, didn't he? And he like, yeah, he called him a playboy and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, he didn't like that. And Anderson is kind of like a poorer guy growing up and stuff, so. Uh, look, I'd love for Anderson Silva to retire. To be honest, I, I just I hate when guys go like that and they're they're not the same as as they used to be. But it, I don't know. It doesn't look like it sounded like he was going to retire last night. But I kind of think Anderson just speaks that way all the time. I think he's on so much money that uh, he's probably on several million per fight. Yeah, and he signed that like ten fight contract, didn't he? As well, how many fights has he left in that? Probably yeah, probably five at least. Yeah, good few anyway. But if if there was someone, I'd love to give him just give him a real attacking fight. Give him Hector Lombard. You know that that'd be a great fight. Like Hector's fighting Johnny Hendricks, and I think Hector could probably win that fight because Hendricks doesn't really seem to give a shit anymore. So like, 
give him that fight. That, that, that'd be a good fight. I think he, you know, it, it play into his strengths. And, hey, you know, Hector's going to come out and just, like, throw bombs. So that, that, that'd that be fun, I think. But, you know, I think enough of this shit, like, giving him guys like Derek Brunson. You know, they talk, talk about Robert Whitaker as well. That wouldn't be a bad thing because Whitaker will will attack. But, you you know, you'd never know. It's something fun. Give him Vitor. You know, Vitor would be a good fighter. It's anything. But, um... Uh, as I said, it's it's not a, it's not nice to see guys like that who are just great, great fighters just lose the greatness, basically, you know. And uh, that's kind of what's happened to, to Anderson Silva, I think. Yeah, they could, they could do, um, assuming Yoel beats Bisbing, they could do Anderson Bisbing again. Um, yeah, that'd be all right. Have that as a headliner in Dublin, it'd be okay, wouldn't it? I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be so lucky. <laughs> so speaking of middleweight contenders, Shaq Resus also also won. I suppose there isn't what what is there to say about this? Not not too much. No. <laughs> Just Tim or Tim Boch actually landed one good shot on Jack Ray and kind of it, it, he didn't really hurt him maybe, but he you know he chin checked him a little bit and I suppose Jack Ray decided ah fuck this I'll take him down and he just took his arm home with him. Um, <laughs> when, do you after that you know you have this kind of I don't know as recently biased right war but after seeing it, I was like oh fuck I'd love to see him getting the title shot before Yoel even though I'm a big Yoel fan I actually do think Yoel won their fight um, but. The way Jack Ray goes through the like kind of lower tier mm-hmm. top top or top ten to fifteen guys or the guys that are ten to fifteen, he just goes through them so easily. Just, the second he gets them down, it's either a TKO or a submission. Like he lost a, a very close decision to Luke Rockhold back in Strike Force, but that was a great fight as well. And I think he, he, I think both of them are much improved fighters since then as well. Yeah. Um I think he could do that again if if Luke is ready and um Fight uh, the Yoel a Bisping winner, or or you could you could just Jack Ray could just wait, but Rockhold needs a fight as well when he comes back. He does when is well, Bisping and Yoel hasn't been done yet? I think like have Bisping yeah, have Musashi there as well if you need if, if you need to slot him in. I don't think Musashi's ever getting a title shot. Let's be honest, to be honest here. No, um, but to fight Luke Rockhold, I mean. Yeah, Musashi's fighting Weidman though. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry. So yeah. I think you put Jack Ray versus Luke. The co-main event to Yoel versus Bisping, you know they've done that before as well. Where they kind of do like middleweight contender. They yeah. tried to actually do it recently, but uh, uh, Luke got injured. Where they have to kind of do two fights on the one card. So I think I think that'd be wise. But yeah, Jack Ray is just he's a different level sort of beast. He's just an unbelievable fighter. Uh, but yeah, we, we'll see how that one plays out. Love to share it in um, unanimous decision over Jared Cannonier. I remember like. I didn't go into this fight too much because it's what the fourth down on, on my preview or anything. But I remember, I, I, just as we mentioned it about for about fifteen seconds on the podcast last week, I remember saying, "Oh, Glover Teixeira's wrestling is most underrated in the UFC." Like it sure is. <laughs> like you're kind of a, you kind of forget. Like every time I'm writing about Glover Teixeira in in kind of long form, I always mention that, and I mention how good his wrestling is. But when it's kind of down the card like this, sometimes you kind of forget. He just showed it again the weekend and just absolutely destroyed Cannonier. Like I thought, I thought Cannonier might be able to to stuff one or two takedowns and land that big shot and knock him out because I thought I think he does have the power advantage and stuff like that. But yeah, he, and just he landed could. a big shot early on on the first round as well on Texera. Yeah, he did wobble him. Yeah, at one stage, but Glover's wrestling is just fantastic. I think Daniel Cormier mentioned in commentary, and we'll actually get to the commentators now in a second. But he mentioned in commentary that he Glover Teixeira 
uh, wrestled at sa- at the same uh, wrestling tournaments that he did. So you know, if Daniel Cormier is wrestling there, it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty top class uh, wrestling event. You know, Olympian and all like that. So Glover is definitely has the chops in the wrestling department. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, he, he was kind of content to, to hang out in half guard on top and just land shots and take the decision because he knew he, he it was so easy for him to get the takedowns. Every time he went for one, he got him down with ease. But I think if, he probably could have submitted him if, if he had a really went for it. Um, a couple of times he kind of he, he passed the side control and ended up just putting his putting his own leg back into half guard. But uh, it was so dominant as well. Like the third round was a ten eight in my opinion as well for for Glover there. So yeah. I agree. There was one horrible stand-up as well in this fight. Remember oh, that the, the referee stood him up just. Well, I think it was two, was there? I think the second one wasn't was too a break bad. Up on the cage. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. too bad. I don't think, but I thought the the, the stand-up, you know, was just uh, was just awful. But Glover, Glover keeps rolling on. The heavyweight is so you know so barren now with Bader. Uh, could be gone as well. Looking more than likely, Misha Sarkinov, uh, Dana White said this week, is could be gone as well. Um, you know that that feather, sorry, the light heavyweight. Let's say featherweight. The light heavyweight division is just, you know, there's there's no one there. You see, if if Daniel Cormier beats um, Anthony Johnson, you know, maybe he's John Jones in, and who who who's there after that? You you the likes of Gustafson and and uh, Glover. So he, he might be too far away from another title shot, especially if um if Daniel Cormier ends up winning. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight. It'd be okay. I like. I think if Glover could could stop the takedown and say standing up, I don't know, he could. He's a good power as well. Yeah, no, like I said, Jared is more. Like a head movement is kind of a big problem for for Glover. Yeah, I, I saw someone saying last night that his head movement isn't usually as bad as that. It's, it's never been great, but I think last night he was kind of letting it there to see would uh, Cannonier come in so he could take him down, <laughs> and it was just kind of like pawning out there. But um, yeah, he, he, he could be. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Poirier against Jim Miller, I suppose, obviously the best fight on on the card. Uh, I think Poirier won pretty convincingly. I thought the second one was um was a ten eight. I could have seen it stopped in the second. Actually, as well, Miller was taking a whole lot of damage, and he's just Miller's one of those guys that's maybe too tough for his own good. Uh, and I think down the road it could, it could, uh, could show up for him. But I thought Paria Paria got injured, but the leg kicked in maybe to the end, of, towards the end of the second or in the third. And I think Miller kind of took over from that point on and won won the third. But I think Paria twenty nine twenty seven won this fight uh, pretty handily. Yeah, I thought uh, Poirier did well to kind of get the takedown, stay on top, stay out of the submissions in the third when he when he'd injured the leg. I think it was one of them uh, low calf kicks, yeah, that, or not one of them, but um, a few of them building up. They seem to be very effective. People aren't used to used to taking them. They're they're, they're used to taking the the normal leg kicks, but they're not used to taking the calf kicks. I think I think it was uh, was it used by was it used on Frank Yeager or by Frank Yeager really effectively. I, uh, I can't remember. You had the Jose Aldo throw a few of them at Frankie. I think Aldo the first time. Yeah, the Aldo the first fight with Aldo, he he used them kicks and knocked Frankie over a good few times. That they're unexpected and you don't really train for them. And um, Parier seemed to seem to be limping pretty heavily after as well. But yeah, it was a dominant performance by him. And uh, I liked his uh, his hair. I didn't know he could grow that much hair. <laughs> like, like my own hair, as a man with great hair myself, I, I appreciated Dustin Poirier's hair as well. So, yeah, that was a uh, that was good. And I suppose on the undercard, Wilson Hayes didn't have the best performance in the world, but I suppose he won against Stula Sasaki, who was a little bit impressive. But then Muhammad threw a lot of leg kicks as well as we were just talking about there, and beat Randy Brown in a fight that really could have gone either way. I think. Um, Although he, I'd say he actually did enough. Uh, Islam Makachev beat Conor McGregor's kryptonite and Nick Lentz as well in a, <laughs> in just a, a, a tremendous beating. Philip Nover lost to Rick Glenn. 
in a Matt fight. Like must Pat be, Phillip must be the best wrestler of all time if he had wrestled the wrestling machine, Nick Lenz, like that. He, I don't know where this guy. He must be wrestling polar bears. Team <laughs> Dagestanis don't play around like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was impressed with Philip Nover, even though he lost. I, I, th- I thought his boxing looked slick. I thought it looked very good. Uh, but I don't know how Rick Lynn ended up winning that fight. I thought it was a bit weird. Two, two Anders and Silvers on one card. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, Ryan LeFleur beat Juan Canero as well in just another fucking terrible fight, which uh, no one ever <laughs> want to watch back. So there you go. Right. Um, let, let's move on to our next topic of conversation, which shall be the cuts. And we'll just go through these pretty quickly. You have a few of them up there. You, you pull them up. You'll see let go of a lot of people. And they're not, it's not really cuts. They're not ringing someone up and saying, oh, you're cut. It's kind of... As for Arlo, I suppose that happened a couple of times, but it's a lot of this is contracts running out uh, and stuff like that. You know, not coming to not coming to an agreement with them and uh, things like that. So, call out a few of them there, and we we'll, let's talk about them. Whether, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's uh, basically it's people who've been removed from the UFC data UFC.com database yeah. fighter database. So uh, there's like a they could be resigned and stuff. Yeah. yeah, there's a script that runs uh, runs a Twitter account called UFC Fighters Info. And they're usually pretty pretty accurate. So Bloody Elbow have a, an article up with uh, Anthony Burchak, Clay Collard, Maximo Blanco, Gene Herrera, Brock Lesnar, Taylor Lapalus, C.O. Ham, uh, Mizugaki, Brandon O'Reilly, Eric Perez, Rick Story, uh, Lorenz Larkin, uh, Jesamyn Duke, Cole Miller, Elvis Mutacic, Joe Galotti, uh, Freddie Serrano, Fernando Bruno, a uh, few more loads more like uh <laughs> yeah i suppose uh, the big ones the big ones from there i suppose obviously brock lesnar's he could be back if he wants to be back you know he wasn't caught or anything like that but uh rick story i think is the big one you know he performed pretty well until that that's her only fight last um in his last outing i think he, he'd be a big loss to that division you know i, I think he's a guy people kind of like eric perez as well you know i know he's taken a good few losses in his career but I think he's always a good man to put on Mexican cards. He always puts on a you know a good fight, a good show when he when he's fighting. I think that's another odd one. Jessamyn Duke, not not very surprising. Yeah. She's lost a lot of fights. I think she'd been gone for a while. I think, but, I think um, the only the only really unexpected one is Rick Story. He's coming off yeah. a win over over before his loss to Cerrone. He's coming off a win over Tarek Safadine and a win over Gunnar Nelson. Like <laughs> they're they're two top top wins. Like they're yeah. top ten guys. Like he lost to Kevin Gastelum a couple of fights before that and. Mike Pyle by split decision back in 2013. Demian Maya back in 2012. But he like he doesn't lose the mugs like Martin Campman's mm-hmm. back in 2011. But he's has loads of wins in between there. It's kind of the Yushinokami John Fitch kind of cut, isn't it? Where maybe he'll take out a couple of your contenders. Yeah. Like if he'd never beaten Gunnar yeah. Nelson, where could Gunnar Nelson be now? You know, he's one of them kind of things. Uh, and I think the same goes for Ryan Bader maybe a little bit. I was I was having a discussion yeah, with people. Definitely, yeah. Mike Pierce kind of is like that as well. Like they kind of. Yeah. He's never gonna be a top guy, but he's gonna take out top guys or guys on the way to the top. Yeah, exactly. That's why Man United need to cut Wayne Rooney and start Marcus Rashford. That's all I'll say about. It. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that um, you know, it's I suppose a lot of those guys are a lot of good fighters there, and it's cost cutting. Look, yeah. if this leads anything, I hope it leads to less cards. But Ariel released an article there last week, and he said there's going to be the same as last year. That that does the plans from the UFC going forward. So it doesn't look like it, but you know it, it's odd. The, the UFC at the moment they have way too many fighters because people can't get a matchup. Like even look at Ashley Daly before she retired there. How long was she waiting to get a matchup? Every time there's a there's a strawweight fight, 
the person comes out afterwards and says, don't leave me waiting that long, Sean Shelby again, you know, that, yeah. and those things are happening. So if these cuts lead to people being able to get fights more easily, then it's not a bad thing. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, um, right. These guys, these guys can win a couple of fights on the local scene, even on Fight Pass and be back in the UFC in no time. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, uh, you can prove yourself pretty quickly within three months and be back in the UFC. Yeah. Nobody even noticed you're gone. That's true. That that actually does happen sometimes. It's like, oh, he's like two fights outside the UFC. Oh, he fought twice inside. I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was there was talks about Ross Pearson as well, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. Um, but I'd be very surprised if Ross did get caught. That'd be very harsh. Yeah. <clears throat> um. All right. Let's get to a couple of fight announcements that were made this week before we get to the Halifax card. Halifax, Halifax. Um. And I suppose the biggest one concerning us and concerning Kevin's Irish MMA is. Kevin Swanson against the Russian Hammer Artem Labov, and like this is this is kind of I've never seen such um, a divided uh, <laughs> response to a to a fight as this. Maybe like half the people are saying like, "Oh, that's going to be good," you know, "good scrap," you know, I, you know, Cobo, we probably favor Cobo, but it's going to be a good fight. And then the other half are like, "What the fuck is Artem Labov doing in the main event? How I Cobb Swanson just beat Duo Chai? You know, he's fighting an on rank guy." Um, and I suppose that you know people are talking about it anyway. So I suppose that's the most important thing. Um, I I I tend to agree with both of them a little bit. I think it's a good fight, and I don't think it makes much sense. But fuck it, it's going to be a good fight. Yeah, anyway, have a bit so. of a storyline with Cobb absolutely hating everything to do with Ireland and Conor McGregor and SBG. Yeah, uh, and completely irrational about everything to do with Conor McGregor. A little bit, but Cobb also accepted this fight. I think people. People kind of forget that a little bit. Like Artem called him out. Or no, he he actually said something about Artem first, I think, and then Artem like tweeted him back and goes, "Look, if you want to start this out, let's start it out or whatever." And then Cub said he would, and he said just call Charles Shelby or something like that. You know, one of those things. So Cub accepted his fight. You know, so you you can't be too mad about it uh, about it that way. I don't think, but there there definitely is the story down there. Like, think these cards are you like people, you know, in headliners you need people with with a name. And are like like it or love it, Artem has a name, you know. Yeah. Uh, people, however, people who are big Conor McGregor fans love Artem Lobov. People yeah. who hate Conor McGregor hate Artem Lobov. Yeah, exactly. But they care. They care about Artem Lobov. That's all. That's yeah. bottom line. Like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like if if I was matchmaking, I probably would have made it. For, like I thought, I thought Cub versus that uh, Green Zombie made sense. Uh, but like if if we're obviously looking at it from an Irish point of view, so it's a one opportunity is for Artem, like it's it's huge. Like this, if he wins this fight, this is this is a fight that can get him ranked, they can get him up there, you know. And for yeah. a guy, you know, if he wins great, this, he'll be ranked highly, I'd say. Yeah. If if you look at like Artemov and you you know, you take away all kind of oh he's you know, Conor McGregor got him into the UFC, he's only getting this because of being friends with Conor McGregor, and this is an unbelievable story. Like, you know, this is a guy who who had you know a five hundred record on, on the local scene, you know, was getting Lost lots of fights, got into got into tough, got a second chance and tough, and then like knocked three guys out in a row. Was on the verge of getting cut from the UFC, came back and two won two fights. The second of which against Truth Oishihara was a phenomenal performance. Nobody can, you know, you can't take yeah, that away from him. Going into that, yeah. and now he has a chance. Look, if he loses, he loses. But if he wins, this is gonna, this is gonna take him to a place. I think nobody thought he career his career would ever go. Me, maybe even himself, and uh, you know. The, it's a it's a huge opportunity for him and for you know for Irish MMA and all of that. So yeah, and Artem's in the better shape at this stage in his career than he ever has been. He's taken like you can see is the transformation. He's even in his cardio and fights. He used to get tired. 
now he's now he looks like he has a lot more cardio. He looks a lot more muscly. He's got he, he just looks like he's he's a much improved fighter. He's taken everything a lot ser- more seriously. Them camps with Connor, obviously, uh, big camps training for big world title fights have really helped him. Um, and and when you when you're uh, when you're in the UFC and you can see you can see the path to the top, you can see the path to the money. It's a, it's a motivator. Yeah, definitely. On the yeah. local scene, you're getting paid five hundred quid here, a grand there. It's hard to put in all them errors. Yeah, hundred percent. Like whatever, I think this is going to be a fun fight. So uh, I'm okay with it. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not mad about it. I, you know, it's, it, I, I, I often don't care when it's a when it's a fun fight. So there you go. That's for me. If if you disagree, fair enough. Um, the other big fight I suppose announced this week was Rory McDonald against uh, Paul Daly after uh, initial reports said that. Um, Paul Daly would be fighting MVP, which was kind of disappointing, I suppose. But, you know, learn how to believe when you see those reports, I suppose. If they're coming from, you know, Bellator, UFC, or Ariel Hilwani, I suppose, or MMA Junkie, those are the places you believe for Sam. But whenever I see it from anywhere else, <laughs> apart from those, I'm always like, ah, I'll wait, until, I'll wait, until, it get con- con- wait until it gets confirmed, I suppose. That's uh, the case again with this one. But um, are you looking forward to, to Rory against Daly over in London? Yeah, it should be good, but uh, uh, it should be an easy enough victory for, for Rory. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. I, I think Rory will go back to his... As long as he has the right game plan. Yeah, his yeah. old takedown. Even if he stays standing with Daly, I think he's, his reach is long enough. I think he'll, he could beat him from the outside. Daly's always going to be different, yeah. uh, difficult, though, with that big left hook. He's always going to be dangerous. And if he catches him with that, he could knock him out, especially like Rory has taken a whole lot of damage recently. But I like the fight, though. I, think it, I still think it's a good fight. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a good fight. It's one of the best they can put together in the division, if not the best fight they can put together in the division. Um, I think I think Rory, even if he even if he's not going to rely on a, a full takedown game, he's definitely got to make Paul Daly think about the takedowns. It takes it takes Paul Daly out of a striking game, and uh, it'll give uh, Rory McDonald a much better chance of uh, of piecing uh, Paul Daly up on the feet. But uh, if he goes straight kickboxing with Paul Daly, he could be in trouble. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at this as well, you have to look at the UFC's London card, which they put on, and which the headliner is um, Beeston twenty-five eight against Jimmy Manoa, which is a good, good a good fight, but it's not a headliner, and it's nowhere near as good as Rory McDonald versus Paul Daly. And I think the, you know we we spoke about it a lot how how things do how uh, Bellator and Bama are working well together uh, in in Ireland and in the UK, and I. I think uh, PZ did an article with James Gallagher and he said it. He kind of disagreed with that. He said Bellator, but don't need Bama. But I couldn't disagree more. I think James might be saying that because he's in Bellator and he kind of wants to look like I. Uh, maybe some people think he's on a Bama card when he's actually on a Bellator card. So I can see where he's coming from. But I think it makes it stronger. You know, I have an article coming out in Sherdog. It's probably going to be coming out this week. Um, is Bama next week or the week after? It's the week after, isn't it? 24th. Ah, yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it next week. But I have an article coming out, and it's basically about how you know Bellator and Bama maybe made a lot of mistakes with their headliners and stuff, which we've spoken about here. But they're kind of rectifying them. You know, that Paul uh, Redmond versus Tom Park fight, TV great deal. fight. Yeah, okay, the TV deal, but on their, <laughs> match, on their matchmaking, you know, this Rory Daly fight and the uh, the um, Chris Fields against Liam McGeary fight, you know, it might not be the best fight in the world, but it has a hometown guy coming in as a big underdog against um, against a former uh, light heavyweight Bellator champion. So that's you know that's that's intriguing in its own right. So uh, I, I think 
Bellator are, are giving better cards to Ireland and you get new, the UFC are by an absolute mile. So fair play to them, keep doing it. Just get that TV deal and we'll be we'll be grand. But um, yeah, do, do you would you agree with that? Yeah, I think the I think the the the, the main event is definitely better. I don't think people really know who Corey Anderson is. Uh, by the by the hardcores like the winners of tough used to be kind of or winners of the Ultimate Fighter used to be pretty pretty household names and more casuals, but it's not the case anymore. Amanda was a, a hometown guy, so I can understand that. But uh, I think they needed to give give Manawa some 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 name like Manawa's not exactly a big name it, it's it's not exactly a, a fight that people are going to be going out of their way to to make sure they have their ticket for it it's not going to be uh sold out in six 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 minutes or any of that stuff going on anyway yeah right before we get to the questions let's quickly look at the UFC Halifax card coming up this weekend uh it's not actually a bad card just looking at it here I think Ryan's yeah, your gonna boy be Derek the, Lewis that Ryan's going to be doing the preview for it thankfully so I won't have to be a uh, I don't have to talk about it that much. <laughs> Derek Lewis is fighting Travis Brown. Graham, how do you think that one will go? Um, it's a tough <laughs> one. I think I think Travis Brown will probably win, but it's hard to pick Travis Brown after his uh, his recent performances uh, since he moved to Glendale. But uh, he's a much better much better martial artist, uh, I think, uh, when he's on form. But he hasn't been on form for a couple of years now, so it's a tough one. When Derek Lewis has a tendency to just kind of stand flat footed and do a lot of nothing. Um, uh, if Derek Lewis gets on top, he can land some big Donkey Kong punches and put Brown away. It's heavyweight; either one could go down on the feet. But uh, I'd ha- I'd have to I'd have to lean towards Travis Brown. Uh, the only way I can see Derek Lewis wins wins winning this fight is if he somehow lands in the mount. I'm not sure how he does it. I don't think his takedowns are strong enough to get Travis Brown down. I don't think he he's gonna connect with Travis Brown. I think Travis Brown's more athletic, stronger, bigger, faster, hits harder than him. Mm. If you can have uh, the side controller, even even half guard on top and, and soften him up with a few punches, maybe. Yeah, he, yeah, he could. If he gets on top on the ground, I think he probably will win. But uh, I don't know. I think, like I've said this about Derek Lewis in every fight, I think he's going to lose. <laughs> if he doesn't lose in this one, <laughs> I might have to change my mind. But I just don't think so. I, I think he's uh, he's come as far as he's going to come now. I, I don't. Uh, people know. I don't rate Derek Lewis <laughs> at all. I don't think he's a good <laughs> fighter. I think Travis Brown will destroy him. Um, and probably knock him out in the first round, uh, but it's it's a fun fight, you know. People like Derek Lewis because he's funny and stuff, even though he's in some of the worst fights the UFC's ever seen. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> he actually is that that uh, Shamil Abhabdurdaba Shami fight was terrible. That Ryan Nelson fight absolutely fucking terrible. There you go, two of the worst fights. Travis Brown, come on, Travis, come on, Edmund, Team Edmund, let's go, let's get Ronda Rousey in his corner. It's always fun when Edmund turns up as well. There'll be some some funny will happen again. Edmund will probably hit Derek Lewis with a belt in the face or something. You know, be... Did you anything, anything ever come over doing push kicking <laughs> or push kicking a Coach Edmund? No, Edmund, no. no nobody cared enough. Like the, the commissioner, like ah, don't worry about it. If that was Greg Jackson or something, like Ronda would probably yeah, be caught up with Edmund. Like, outraged. Be all right. Do you know, um, grab back a hitman. I was post that little guy when every time John Inacre fights, you know, that little guy that goes and boxes someone, you know, he's I don't know who he is, he's like an internet sensation thing. But Edmund reminds me a little bit of him, <laughs> just like he's like a little rat going around the place, you know, like keeping people. Stuff, but, <laughs> oh, he's, he's a great man. I'm looking forward to seeing Edmund. I just can you get up the um, it's always fun. 
<laughs> he's always fun they, with Edmund they should just you know the way they put the corner cam up for like 15 seconds in fights they should just leave the whole t- the whole of Edmund up for the whole fight just let do you remember fight, fight Factory with AKA do you remember that yeah that was should, brilliant like, I love that they should that. do that with Edmund they Definitely. should do that with Edmund's Glendale that'd yeah. be gold that show should have come back remember Josh you'd be like Josh Dave Brent of Fight Factory yeah Josh Koshak's boat was great wasn't it he was going up and down the river yeah. I want a boat like remember that. he wanted to burn down the gym and stuff he was yeah, going he mad to John Fitch about yeah. burning down the gym and all. yeah John <laughs> Fitch is like so laid back he's like yeah whatever man yeah I love it I love it Josh Koshak's coming back actually Bellator it was funny we were talking about it in the podcast and the next day Josh Koshak was announced in the fight so I think you can thank us for that one Josh Koshak we got you a fight so I'll take my 10% is, is John Fitch the most surprising positive drug test ever do you think surprising Hmm. I don't know. Uh, what about um, uh, Alistair Overeem? <laughs> <Fuck Lesnar. laughs> he, might, he might be. Yeah, he might be. Who, who else? Is there he was so one? against it. He was so outspoken against it. He was Lance Armstrong. I like. He never tested positive. <laughs> 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 Hashtag freelance. <laughs> but yeah, he, Hector he, Lombard versus Johnny Hendricks. Hector, yeah, Hector Lambert versus John Hendricks. Another surprising drug test there, uh, Hector Lombard. <laughs> <laughs> Hector Lombard follows me on Twitter, so I better not say much, too much about him. Um, yeah, I, I fancy Hector in that one because just because John Hendricks looks a bit shot uh, and he doesn't seem I to know, really care I anymore. Know. I think the wake up was killing Johnny Hendricks. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he looks at oh, middleweight here. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> look, remember how delirious he was like two days yeah. two, two days before the wake up when Ariel was talking to him on a media scrum it was, he, he was it was as if he would he was about to step on the scale then and there 170 Johnny <laughs> too fat Johnny <laughs> I hope Nick Diaz is there he has to just show up fly Nick Diaz in for the wins 185 Johnny <laughs> <laughs> we need new version but yeah see, maybe Diaz is weed for or weed ass yeah I thought that was a piss take at first but it's real <laughs> it's brilliant a big huge massive spliff Nick Diaz <laughs> <laughs> oh brilliant that's the best thing I've ever seen but yeah this fight like Johnny Hendricks could definitely wrestle Hector Lombard and take him down I know it's going to be hard against Hector you know he's like a he's like a fire hydrant it's going to be hard to take him down but I, I don't yeah, know Hector Lombard is terrible in the, even in that no contest with Josh Berkman and he lost to Magni got finished by Magni finished by Dan Henderson he, he's kind of since his old uh, his brush with the anti-doping uh, association he, he hasn't looked the same <laughs> he hasn't to fair enough. Uh, Lombard has a chin that can be checked as well and we know Hendrix hits hard when he hits it's an interesting fight I'm not, not really sure I'm looking forward to that though I think that'll probably be a, probably a pretty good fight but um, I digress it, it's funny the, um, on, on Wikipedia the, the card isn't straightened out yet so we don't really know who's going to be up after that but Sarah McMahon is fighting yeah, in Gina as well. yeah Sarah McMahon was supposed to be fighting someone good, was she? She was supposed to be fighting Liz Carmouche, but uh, she pulled out. So it's going to yeah, be fun to see her back. Gina Mazzani now, uh, 4 0 uh, debut in the UFC. Yeah, as you said, there, Emmons Habi as well. He's uh, Furasa Habi's brother. Supposed to be a brilliant prospect. I think I saw yeah. maybe saw him once. Six and out. Yeah, I think PC did an article with him there for. Um, uh, someone recently, I'm not sure who PT works for everyone, so it's probably you know, the independent or you know, Sherda. Too many to count. I love MMA.com, uh, Bruce Lee's website, something like that. You know, one of them, um, <laughs> <laughs> Carla Spars is back against, against Randa Marcos. I'm a fan of Randa Marcos, I, I think she's a good fighter, a fan of Carla Spars, too, the former champion. Obviously, I think Randa went away from Furas and now she's gone back to him. 
So you know, crawling that back. Be, that, that could be good for her. So that, that's um, it's an interesting one. And uh, Nine McGrath's best friend Paul Felder is also fighting against uh, Alessandro Ricky. I wonder, Rishi. I wonder is that uh, Mike Rishi's brother? I think Mike, Mike Rishi had a brother. Oh no, he's an Italian dude, not him. Um, so Alex Ricci's yeah. Canadian, is he not? Oh, it says Alessandro Ricci. Oh, it could be a French Canadian. Oh, hold on, hold on. When you click on his, <laughs> this is hilarious. When you click on his Twitter, it comes up. Uh, he was an Italian painter of late Baroque who pr- practiced in Italy in the 18th century. He was born in Fermo and trained in Rome under Carlo Malata. <laughs> I think they Steps might the have the wrong guy. The background. <laughs> he Paul goes Fender. way back as lad. Paul Fender is fighting a dead Italian painter. <laughs> I fancy him to win that one. That, that's what he would fight. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, if you uh, can't win this one, he should be cut like a furnace. <laughs> he's good on uh he was on that always sunny in philadelphia i think it's called i've only seen two episodes of it but i watched the ufc one he was good in that and he Bellar was was he yeah he was thrown he was on it as well they took this milk stuff and they just shit all over the place paul felder came into the his first scene was him taking a taking a shit so that was uh that was interesting yeah. but i um, think felder has uh, changed camps and stuff he had a bit he went to a bit of a rut he uh he's moved i think where did he move to or he moved to a uh, time on woodley and uh Oh, Duke Rufus. Yeah, Duke Rufus. Yeah. yeah. So it's well, it'd be interesting to see what uh what new uh what new techniques or new, what what new game plan or what what's di- what he's changed, what's different, if anything, because he he came in, he looked he looked he looked like he was going to be a real prospect. He had a very close back and forth fight with Edson Barboza, and then kind of lo- lo- uh, unexpectedly lost a uh, split decision to Ross Pearson. Um, and he's kind of been up and down since. Like he he got finished by Trinaldo. Which when you saw the Barbosa fight, you would never would have thought that that uh, he was going to go on that run. Yeah, hundred I I think Duke Rufus is a good fit for him as well. Uh, I was like Felder was a good striker, but remember he knocked was it Danny Castillo? He knocked out with a spinning back fist, and he kind of fell in love with that then. And I think he's striking never really progressed to a level where I thought it was going to get that. Maybe, but maybe a change-up going to Duke Rufus will will help that. And Duke is the kind of guy who maybe will tweak one or two things and make a huge difference, you know, and that can happen. So hopefully um, hopefully this will be a good performance by Paul Felder. I think, you know, Paul Felder's always yeah. exciting and good to watch, so it should be a good yeah. fight. Felder told Noah McGraw on uh, Talking Brawls that he's basically living in a back room in the gym, so he's constantly there. So he's he kind of has nothing to do but to train. So, uh he should be in in great shape. There shouldn't be any any cardio problems or anything like that. Anyway, he seems to be uh, all in in this new gym. Anyway, he's he's giving it a real go, putting putting everything on, on the line. Yeah, sure. I suppose Niall will be fairly disappointed if he doesn't win, won't he? Yeah, well, you know, he'd be, he'd be crying into his several points of Guinness. <laughs> he'd be inviting him out for more points with him again. Into his keg of Guinness. He's <laughs> several points of Guinness. That was your best line so far. Oh, that was brilliant. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But, uh, okay, before we get to questions, actually, we forgot to mention this. The three-man boot at UFC 208. Uh, I, I'll give you my thoughts on the first. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan of it, to be honest. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I, I I didn't you think that was a Cormier problem, or did you think I, it was? Uh, I think it was a Cormier three problem. problem. Both, yeah, so both. I'd like to. I wouldn't mind giving three person a go with someone else if you had Dominic Cruz there. And he, do you know the way? Uh, maybe people on, on cricket they do this thing right where they have like a boot, and then they have one guy separately who does like analysis and show clips. If you Dominic Cruz there. Or, or Brian Stan, but I think Dominic Cruz will be better in this role. You have him there, and it's between rounds, and you 
goes, John Lane goes, okay, Dominic, what did you see in that round? And then Dominic pulls up a clip where there's like three or four clips of one guy like throwing a jab or the leg kicks or something. And he goes like, look how he stopped this takedown or something like that where you have him there. And maybe he does like 45 seconds of analysis between every round or something like that. I think that could work. But when it's yeah. just... I remember back in the years and years ago, Eddie Bravo used to be the third person in there. Yeah. And he wouldn't speak. He'd barely speak unless Joe kind of brought him in. Yeah. Unless Joe Rogan said, well, what, what's going on, on the ground here? What, what, what are you trying to set up here? Or how did you score that round? He was kind of like the passive member of the thing that was only only brought in and called upon. But it seemed like Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier were nearly talking over each other. They couldn't mm-hmm. they couldn't wait to get in. It was it was kind of uh, too much. Yeah, and John Lennick barely spoke then. There was no play-by-play, you know. Was, Rogan kind of started doing play-by-play at one stage because it was it was kind of like, oh, Anik's not doing it. He's not kind of expressing himself a lot, maybe. But, and I wouldn't blame Anik, really, because he's trying to... He he always says, if you listen to Anik talking about his style, he likes to let the person he's with go and let him speak. But when there's two of them there, you're letting both of them go, so you're never getting a chance to speak yourself. Uh, I, I just don't think it, it worked at all. It, I think, as you said there, is it a Cormier problem, is it a three-man problem? I think you could have three-man, but you need to do it in a different way, and I don't think you can have Cormier. I don't think Cormier is good at that. Now, I wouldn't mind, like, I wouldn't mind seeing Cormier on lower down cards, you know, if someone needs replacement or stuff. I don't think he's the best at that. I actually think he's very good on yeah, on UFC tonight and on the panel and stuff like that. I think that's what he's what he's. He best will at. get better with, with practice because he was he was um, he has got better on even the desk on Fox Sports and stuff. He started yeah. off a bit shaky and he's gotten comfortable. Um, some uh, pr- more than likely and within time he will, but maybe not on a, a pay per view. Maybe he should be on a, a fight night or, or or brought in for. I think the first time he was brought in, he was brought in for the fight pass prelims. Yeah, and then he kind of did, he was gone then, and I think that's a good way to kind of bring him in and get him comfortable and figure out if he's actually good enough to do this or not. Yeah, I think that night as well he did like the Jones fight, and that makes sense, you know, when you've John yeah, Jones because he's invested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know, he just seemed out of place and stuff at the weekend. I, I just didn't work at all for me. Um, but I, I like I like uh, I think what what John Anik brings is kind of a very straightforward, slick. You know, he'll say exactly what he needs to say. You know, he okay, he's a few odd things that we don't like, like the hook and bu- buoyed and stuff like that. He says really weird. But I think you get over that. I think he's very good other than that. Right? There, there isn't there isn't much I, I could criticize John Anik for. I think he's good at it. But what he's, as he is kind of straight up, you have Joe Rogan, who is literally, you know, they're the color commentator. He give, brings the color, you know. He, he gets excited. He roars when there's a knockout, you know. It did and he, he gives good a uh, good kind of analysis too. Yeah, and he works for no reason a lot of the time as so. well. Yeah, but he you know he, <laughs> for the most part you know he's pretty good. He says what's going on. You know he's he's obviously very um very uh, educated in the sport and very experienced as well. So I I think the two of them are perfect. Let it go. You know if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But give him give him a chance to do it now with Goldberg on, and I don't think you need the the third man gimmick at all. Yeah. Did we actually talk about Goldberg being in the crowd at all? Uh, I think we did. At the time, we weren't sure if it was true or not, but he, yeah, he it turned out he was there. Why? What do you think about it? It's funny, wasn't it? Just it was just bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I, it was. Bizarre. Did you hear the story? He was like, he got a box, and he was he was went to watch the fights with a friend of his in the box, and he was like, I need to come down. Who who's fighting that night? Like, BJ Ben. He was like, I need to come down and see BJ's walkout or whatever. So he went down and just like sat in the crowd, and then they kind of panned him and saw him there. It was it was a bit bizarre, but. 
<laughs> he was kind of real. It looked like he was in the middle of a fucking piss up as well when they cut to him. Yeah. <laughs> See, um, Bellator said this week they did a press conference in London. They said they could get Goldie in for a win. Sean Grand can't uh, can't comment on their fights. I think they no, should get. No, let, let him let him go into the darkness, into the light, into the night. <laughs> what really? You're not a, you're not a Goldie yeah. fan. I think they no, should. He's just, oh, he's too much. I love him. I love it, Goldie. I think they should get Sean Grand for when Goldie can't do it. He's like Sean Grand is the worst star. Is it Sean Grand or Sean? Something? Yeah, they need Sean Wheelock. I don't know why they oh, got yeah. rid of Sean Wheelock. Sean Wheelock is way better than Goldberg yeah. and Sean Grand. Oh well, I don't know about that. Sean Grand, Sean Grand doesn't have a clue. No, he's the worst. He's the worst play-by-play commentator in MMA. I think he's up there anyway. In in the big leagues, definitely. I think he's horrendous. I wouldn't have him. I wouldn't have him commentating dogs fighting. There you go. Right. Um. Let's let's get to the questions before we do that. Let's give a shout out to our sponsors: rosnutrition.com, Ireland's leading supplement provider. Um, supplements to the the binging king of Ireland, JJ Murphy. Head on over there, rosnutrition.com. Get twenty five percent off your first order with the promo code Severe MMA. Help us. Help you. Graham, time for some questions. Would you like a question? Yeah, let's do it. Frank Edgar this week on the MMAR said that he's on the last um, fight of his contract. So, Mr. Podjas, friend of the podcast, best friend of the podcast, if Frank Edgar goes to Bellator, will it be the lightweight division uh, where he's the most profile, high-profile fights, and who would you like to see him fight first? Yeah, straight in there against Michael Chandler if he does go, but uh, I don't think he will. I think he'll yeah. stay in the UFC. <clears throat> I I agree. I think I think Dana likes Frankie. I think I think Frankie is also beatable by a lot of the big guys, and you can make a name off him. Like I think uh, obviously Aldo beat him a couple of times. I think if he ever fought McGregor, McGregor beat him. I think Holloway beat him. So um, Frankie's uh, Frankie's probably yeah. possibly one of the most overrated fighters in the UFC, uh, but still a very good fighter and uh, with a, with a good name and stuff. But um. You would know yeah, and there's big fights for him at 35, 45, and there's yeah. still some fights for him at 55 if he wanted to go back there in the UFC. Mm-hmm. And almost none of them that he'd win. So, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's always good. Like, the UFC, the UFC can uh, work with that. Um, Gavin Springer asks, can, can Bellator give the UFC a run for their money in the UK and Ireland? No? Um, no? Do you, don't, you don't think so in the UK and Ireland? Oh, in the UK and Ireland. Sorry, I tell you, yeah. man. Sorry, I think they can. Yeah, I think in the UK and Ireland. Yeah. Um, well, the UFC at any moment can can come in and just take it take it over. I think with ease. Yeah. But they're not they going want to. to. They're, they're yeah, if to. they yeah. At the moment, it looks like they have no interest in it. So it's uh, Bellator and Bama are are already doing it better at the moment. But at any moment, the UFC could put on a, a half decent UFC card over here, and it would sell out really quickly, um, quicker than any Bama or Bellator card. That is true, but. That I think that's the case in point where they're not doing that, you know. They're, and I can't see them doing that. They're putting on terrible cards, but I th- I think th- those three letters still mean an awful lot. Yeah. You know? If the UFC just wanted to, they just re-sign Joe Duffy and put on a Joe Duffy headline card, and it would sell out really quickly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Mr. Podge asks again at one. Mr. Podge, is there a luckier fighter in the UFC than Ian McCall? Um, hmm. I don't know if it's unlucky anymore. It must be something he's doing. I was thinking about that as well. Maybe it's the weight cut. Like he keeps getting sick all the time. Yeah, what's he, he eating? Like is he is he eating well or I don't know. 
and he spoke before about how much weight he cuts. Like he he cut twenty five pounds, I think, for one fight. And when you're a one twenty five er, that's that is huge, you know. Mark Hunt, I think Mark Hunt, Mark Hunt cut twenty five pounds for one of his fights, and he was talking about <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was talking about how much uh, how much weight he cut. But so imagine a guy literally half his size having to do the same. It, it can't be good. So um, I don't know. Seriously, he's taking it and stuff. So yeah. I yeah, it's tough to know what's going on. Like, uh, like two, three times, four times. Oh, this guy's unlucky. But like eight, nine, ten times. What's, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> yeah. Tom McCarthy at eighty four. Tom Tom asks, uh, with a fair amount of negative feedback for the Artemov fight, do you think a win over Cobb would earn him some respect? Um, has there been that much negative feedback? Has it? Yeah, there's a good bit. Right? Yeah, I've seen a good bit of it. Really? Yeah. Mm. Um. What was the question, sorry? Will a win over Cub get him some respect? Oh, yeah. if oh, Absolutely. If you beat Cub Swanson, what, what's Cub rank? Let me just pull up the rankings here for one sec. So he's top six or seven anyway, is he? Um, fairweight. Cub is four. Yeah, Jesus. Number so four. Get him into the top you ten. number four. Come on. Like, you, you have to respect somebody who works their way up and beats the number four. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. Mr. Podge again asked, uh, "Do you think and there's any chance of Anderson Silva gets uh, gets a title shot against Bisping?" Um, hmm. um there's a small chance, yeah. but I don't think uh, Bisping would have to beat Yo Romero, and and then a number of other things would have to happen that I think are unlikely. I think I think Bisping can kind of make one of these fights if he wants to. If he starts calling out Anderson Silva, there's talk as well about... He's already... Yeah, I don't see Bisping wanting that. He's already yeah. beaten the guy who he was always trying to beat for his whole career. And he beat him by the skin of his teeth. Is he going to want to do that again? I think Bisping wants any fight that will make him a lot of money. <laughs> I think. So maybe he does. Um, there's is, talk that about, a big is that a big pay-per-view fight? Is it? It's bigger than Bisping against Joel Romero. I don't know if it is. Yo Romero's doing a fucking very good job of, of hyping this up. He, that put him on put him on TV fight week and put him on all them spots with like the Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz or them. That's f- not gonna happen. Face by face. That'd be hilarious. They've yeah, gotta make that happen. It's not gonna happen though. Yeah. Like, How do you spell steroid? And he'd be like, I'll eat you. <laughs> oh abuse me. I eat you abuse me. <laughs> no fucking <laughs> America, <laughs> what happened? What happened, America? Why are you forget? Why are you forget? Yeah. Uh, Andy Cowan asks, <laughs> would, you, would the UFC capitalize on Holmes' appeal and have her fight Cyborg for an interim belt while JDR is out? God, no. Oh, three, losses in, thing, three losses in a row. Not a better belt. Mm, we enough. That's exactly what we need, yeah. Uh, Will Martin, friend of the podcast, has thoughts about the lackluster main events so far in 2017. What's the reasoning behind it? Um, not many stars. Stars are banned, like uh, John Jones and Nick Diaz. I suppose is unmanned now, but Conor McGregor's out uh, for a while. GSP, they couldn't come to a deal with him. Anderson's not really a star anymore. Uh, it's just a lack of stars. Yeah, uh, I'm really not there. There's a lack of championship fights as well. Like a couple of weeks ago, there was no one booked in the championship fight. And uh, you know, the only championship fight so far this year has been the one at the beginning, which wasn't a real championship fight, I think. So, yeah, that that's going to be a problem. Uh, Alan Horan has a big f- a couple of questions here. But he his main one is, do you think corner men or, and corner women get 
info for, about what the other corner is saying between rounds or during the fight? Um, I actually have no idea, to be honest. Yeah, I've always talked about it, but I, I don't think so. I think there's enough to do, you know, um, without without him doing that. And I think those people are intelligent enough to uh to kind of understand maybe where a fight will go and what another fighter would do and what their own fighter should do. So I don't think so. Um, Shane Kiley asks if the UFC is the Premier League of MMA, what domestic soccer leagues would Bellator or World Series of Fighting one FC be? Uh, hmm. I don't know. It's hard to like each one of the cards have the potential, or each one of the promotions have the potential to put on a a good card. Mm-hmm. But they're they're they have only a couple of stars each each one of them, and it's very hard for them to put on consistently good shows. Bellator is the Italian league, I reckon. World Series of Fighting is uh. Well, Bellator Bellator is a lot better than 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 the rest of them. Yeah. Bellator is like a, a clear second, I think, to, to the UFC and the rest of them are just... Okay, he's asking for so- um, soccer leagues, which, which are like, Bellator is the Italian league, World Series of Fighting is the Portuguese league, I want to see is the MLS. There you go. So what's the English league? The kind of like really competitive, but like not that high quality. No, what? The English league is the best league. That's what. <laughs> it's really competitive, but it's not the highest of quality. Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know. We've sure, Spurs about. are in second and shitty old Liverpool can hammer them. Yeah, um, at Nate Raj, Man United, for good name, he asked what we were talking about earlier about, do you think they, sh- they should be given time to recover after the bell if they get hit? Uh, I think I think they should. Um, and he goes, he asks, well, do you think JDR should be blamed for hitting home after the bell or is it just bad officiating? Uh, no, she should be blamed as well as the ref. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think both of them are definitely, definitely to blame that one. Uh, t- uh, Tom McCarthy again asks, um, which women's title fight are you most excited for? Joanna versus Andrade, uh, Nunes versus Shevchenko, or JDR versus Cyborg? Um, hmm. uh, probably Joanna. I think Nunes versus Shevchenko is going to be good. I know they fought before, but it, it should be fun. Um, I, just, I just love watching Shevchenko, or uh, sorry, not Shevchenko, uh, in Jacek. So do I, yeah, she's a, she's a very good fighter. Stian Berglund, who asked a question last week as well, fair play to you. He says, what do you guys make of Misha Sharkinov being, uh, and, you know, being caught by the, not caught, but sent to Bellator. Dana, the UFC. Yeah, Dana said he doesn't look like uh, they're going to come to an agreement. Yeah, it's a surprising one. We were saying last week they, they, should, they should, look, should be looking to keep him ahead of some of, the, some of the other people that were looking to be on the chopping block. Um, he, uh, I don't know what he's asking for, but... Uh, it seems very strange that they would, I don't think he'd be asking for anything astronomical. Yeah, maybe he is. I don't know. He's one of the You never know with him. Yeah. yeah, we don't know. We don't really know the personality of him. We don't know. He hasn't been talking publicly about what he's asking or what the stumbling block with the UFC contract is. But it's surprising that if if it's if he's not asking for that much, it's surprising that the UFC didn't sign him, resign yeah. him. Sorry. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I think they should keep him. They need him badly. Uh, and I think they should resign him if they can, but it doesn't look like they are. Um, Keen O'Connell at the RES only 21. Which card was worse? Poirier 28, 28 against Miller or Silver Brunson 30, 27? Um, Poirier. I think it was as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Joe White asks, who do you think the next breakout star in the UFC will be? And who will turn heads this year? Um, in the in the mainstream, maybe or 
Yeah, I think that's what he's getting at, yeah. Um, hmm. Cody Garbrandt could do it. Like he hasn't broken through yet, but he's he's a bit small. And people don't people it's hard when they're small, people don't take it that seriously. I think the biggest problem with Cody is that they've put him in the tough house and he's gonna be gone for six months. And it just killed any momentum yeah. he had. So um let me think. It depends how the dynamic is. It could be it could be uh it could be a, a watch one of the one of the tough the ultimate fighter seasons that people actually watch. Maybe. Here we, I have it. Yeah. I know who it is. Francis Ingano. Do you think he'd be a star in the oh. in the public? In the oh, mainstream yeah. or in the outside of the hardcore? He could be an Anthony Joshua type man mountain. They could do it. Anthony Johnson's not really a star either though, is he? Joshua. Sorry, Anthony Joshua isn't really a star either though. Are you serious? Mainstream, is he? Are you, t- are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Really? Like, my dad wouldn't have a clue that he is, I wouldn't say. If I Anthony him. Joshua is sort of like... Uh, he's like the biggest selling pay-per-view person ever in the UK. He's so, they, like, they're selling like 400,000 pay-per-views on Anthony Joshua. Joshua, he is huge. You know, he's gone to America and all. They're, they want him to go on pay-per-view in America. No, They're actually really, buying a yeah. Hitchcock fight in America. He's massive. I just assume Sky Sports were bullshitting about everything like they always do with boxing-wise. No. <laughs> right, last two questions. Kieran Stapleton, the soup lad, asks, if Michael Chandler was signed to the UFC, who would you think, who would you like to see him fight? Hmm. Um, Eddie Alvarez, make it happen. No, fucking hell. He finally made it twice. Bullshit as well the last time. Uh, uh, I'd like to see him fight Tony Ferguson. Mm. That'd be a good fight. Maybe a bit of that. Maybe a bit of T Ferg. Right, last question. Danny Barry at I am Danny Barry. Do you think there should be a more transparent way of disputing and overturning unfavorable decisions on the night in MMA? Hmm, I guess it gets it gets into a murky ground if you keep changing all decisions. Like you see the way the uh, the British officials pulled themselves out of ACB because they don't want to be associated with shady what they consider shady behavior. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. There, there's that has to be completely line. egregious, like something yeah. that is just outrageous. Like yeah, like that time where Rivera got poked in the eye by Uriah Faber. Yeah, or like the time Aldo knocked out Mendes after the bell, or like when Home got got nearly TKO'd after the bell. That's something egregious where you sh- you should have the right to have a, a case heard for why that should be a no contest. Or yeah. I'm not even sure they're egregious enough. I think something like what they're fight, they're fight changing blows. Yeah, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure they're egregious enough. Even even I wouldn't go that far. I think what, what was the fight recently where your man got he kicked the the grounded opponent in the head? Remember that? What fight was that? Oh yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember. What about Jake Ellenberger when his foot got stuck in the cage? Yeah, that's what it Hundred percent. That's another one. Yeah, that that should have been made in no contest. Yeah, things like that where there's like there's no debate about him. You know, I I don't think for point deductions and stuff. I don't think that's it. But I think if the the referee makes a mistake and fight ends the fight incorrectly in in a very egregious way like that, makes a stupid incorrect decision. You know that I think they should. But I don't think decisions are overturned. I think you there's three people there to stop that you know to stop egregious decisions and they still make them but when you've three people there that's that's a democratic enough fucking voice for me and i i don't think you can go against that you kind of go against you know everything the sport kind of stands for if you do that so i, I don't like yeah. when acb i don't think anyone should be doing that yeah so, well when you do go for an appeal as well like the kangaroo court that you enter into is just not even worth your time it's just yeah. waste of your time yeah, just, just don't even bother. Shouldn't just even do take it. it on the chain and move on. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Right, that's another week in the books. Thanks everyone for listening. 
I'm at Chauncey and BA. You can find me there on Twitter. He's at Severe and May. Go and send him some abuse. Um, anything coming on the website this week, Graham? Oh, yeah, PT Carroll made his uh, on-screen interviewing debut. Joe McCoggan drove all the way down from the north to uh, to, to get in there. Uh, so Joe McCoggan, Redzer, uh, Huey O'Rourke, Keith McCabe. And then we have a few fight videos from um, from Cage Legacy Drogheda there um, Saturday night few up there and we'll have an uh, we'll have a an interview which we with some we have to wait to post because there's some uh fight announcement we're waiting on first so uh can't tell you who that is <laughs> it's a hint. go on give us a hint where is it is it in england or ireland or where it's uh it's in ireland it's oh. um somebody's going to be on the cage warriors dublin card oh did pt do it yeah pt did the interview yeah let me guess who it is uh eo daily <laughs> is no. it? Is it? No, I get no, it? No. no. Okay. If you even if I got it right, you wouldn't tell me because you can't. But yeah, okay, we we leave that. I actually don't know. I'll ask you afterwards. But um, okay, another another good week in the books. Uh, actually, give it, give a, give a watch to the severe snippet. It'll probably be out maybe a day after this or whatever. We take a portion of the. Um, of the uh, podcast and our good friend Podrick Forn from I believe he's from Castle Island um, does a nifty little uh, gra- a few graphics and stuff like that and puts it up on YouTube so spread that out if, if you would give this podcast a share you know Instagram Twitter Facebook everywhere and thanks very much for listening we'll see you again in seven days time but before we go I have an inspirational quote as, as the, pe- the people love them so we have to we have to give the people what they want so here it goes. Are you ready for it, Graham? Yeah. We either make ourselves miserable or we make ourselves happy. The amount of work is the same. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>